Hi, friends. Welcome. This is the Connected Families Podcast. I'm Stacey Bellward, your host. This is Dad's Month here on the podcast because it's the month we celebrate Father's Day. And this is the third episode in a three-part series with Jim Jackson, co-founder of Connected Families, and Chad Hange, who's on the Connected Families leadership team and also a marriage and family therapist. Today, Jim and Chad are talking about kids and pornography. Hey, everybody. Jim and Chad here. Hey, all. Glad to be with you again. We've been given another assignment. The moms on our staff put their heads together, Chad. (laughs) Yeah, they did. They came up with a a good list of assignments. We want to hear you guys answer the question, what do we do when we catch our kids using porn? And it's an important topic. And I think that's a topic every bit as much for moms as it is for dads. And pornography, you know, in the generalist of terms, pornography is everywhere all around. We can't get away from it. It's on billboards. It's in the pages of every magazine we buy, unless it's World Magazine or Christianity Today. You know, all of the secular publications display pornography freely. And what the display is, is not nudity per se, but it's it's provocation. Mm -hmm. If we look at something that has provoked us, to be stimulated sexually, a desire of a way, or emotionally in any sort of a way Mm -hmm. um, toward sexual intimacy, that's pornography. And so it's all around us and helping our kids understand this and figure it out and grow up to be people who can navigate the world, not pornography free, because I've yet to meet anybody who's pornography free, but navigate the world. I don't know what's a term I could even list for this, Chad, have you got an idea? It's pornography ready. It's ready to face the onslaught of pornography and receive God's grace, walk in God's truth, and be an encourager, one who fills others with courage relative to these things. As you talk about it in a little bit broader sense than maybe I might have defined it earlier, or other parents might define it, of just looking at, you know, images of naked people or, you know, doing that sort of thing, seeking that out, but your definition feels more broad, just kind of that anything that might be tantalizing to our senses in terms of sexually or kind of draw us in and raise up that desire that we might have. So I think that's um, culturally, it is difficult to get to get away from that. And I remember going to Brazil, my wife is Brazilian, and we were in Brazil a number of years ago, and things were just far more explicit there as well on billboards and magazines and and just kind of in the the regular culture. So a lot of it depends on the, the cultural piece, but certainly in North America, it is still a big deal. It continues to be a big deal. And the marketers continue to push, you know, sexualizing most anything to sell a product as well. I know the question that parents call and ask us about isn't that, but I did want to set that as some context for the conversation because, you know, I'm a 60 year old man and I looked at pornography yesterday in this broad definition, not because I sought it out, not because I chose it, but because there it was. And I'm driving down the highway and there's this busty sexualized image. And I'll just confess to the listening audience right now. I wish I had just looked at it and brushed it off, but I looked at it and dwelt on it for just a moment before I caught myself and looked away. When it comes to talking with our kids about this, I think it's important for us as humans to be human Mm -hmm. and to help our kids understand that, yeah, this is a struggle we all have. I've had it. 
I had it more prevalently when my testosterone was raging than I do mm -hmm. now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sometimes people ask me, so when was the last time you picked up and looked at a pornographic magazine or visited a pornographic website? Well, I haven't done that in ages. Mm -hmm. And praise God. And also consider that my testosterone is one fifth what it was when the right. onslaught first began or whatever, you know, I don't, I don't know right. the numbers. Yeah. So, but to get very pragmatic here, we do get the phone call frequently from parents saying, I've found my youngster looking at pornography and I don't know what to do. I want to be graceful. I want to, but I'm afraid and I want this to stop. I would even tweak it a little bit. Oftentimes, if people are reaching out to us, they might even be saying, I think my child was moving in this direction, or I'm afraid that my child, I looked at the browser, I looked at the, the history, the search mm. history, and I'm concerned about some things. And it might not even be I caught or I found much as I have been searching through the technology they use. And I stumbled across this stuff. And now I'm scared. I'm worried. I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to confront this. Yeah. Talk about this. Yeah. And I think parents are more aware now than maybe they have been in the past about the fact that approaching this conversation in a certain sort of a way can inflame the issue. So there's a lot of fear. Maybe if we just let it lie and keep watching the histories and keep looking at the, the messaging, you know, maybe we won't have to deal with this. Or I'm sensing that this stuff is going on and I know that it, my confrontation, if not done well, could inflame it and enrage it. So help me bring God's grace and truth to this very important conversation which is what we're here to do today. Right on. And I think that's important. Sometimes I'll talk to parents who have said, well, I already overreacted. I already confronted it and got a lot of anger back in my face and denial. And I'm angry. I'm confused. I'm frustrated. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do. So here's where I'm at. But I think that the typical response is help me be thoughtful about this. And, you know, to our audience, I think people that have been following us for a while would recognize that that's a really good place to start. And it's where we at Connected Families encourage people to start is yep. let's be thoughtful about engaging this instead of just running in with accusations, you know, our own fear and anxiety leading the way. Right. So like always, we start by checking our own hearts, don't we? We look inward, we ask ourselves and, and even submit to the Lord, what's going on in me? God, where's your spirit in me right now as I'm responding? And, you know, certainly there's stuff in the Bible, you know, Galatians in the beginning of chapter five, it talks about, you know, the deeds of the flesh and the wickedness mm -hmm. and the botchery and the licentiousness. And, you know, those are problems we know. Then right on the heels of that, it says, you know, but the fruit of the spirit, the opposite is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And then right behind that, it says, you who catch a brother in sin, you who walk by the means of the spirit, this is in Galatians 6.1, restore that person gently. Yes. You who walk by the means of the spirit, which is those nine words. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so what does it mean as a parent? You know, what's going on in me? Have I got some sin in me? Or am I at a place where I'm walking by the means of the spirit as I now seek to restore my youngster gently? It's interesting to me when I get an email or a call about this topic that usually the mom is really in a two-parent home. The mom is really anxious about this and isn't sure what to do. And I, I think as a dad, when that happens, that it can send us 
certainly does for me. It sends me back into my own shame. And this can happen in a lot of other areas of our life as well. If I struggle with this, how am I supposed to help my child struggle with this or overcome this struggle or, you know, whatever it might be. And so I, th- I think dads are oftentimes put in, put in, but feel like they're in a precarious position here. Like if they say that I struggle with this too, then somehow, you know, their wife might look at them and go, what? because <laughs> there hasn't been open and honest communication there, right. or it's like a really tense place. You're hitting a nerve, Chad, that I think is very real for an awful lot of people. I know it was for me as a young man, and even dating Lynn, I grew up in a setting where pornography was rampant. The neighborhood boys, the neighborhood fathers all possessed hordes of magazines uh, of pornography and set a tone in our neighborhood that was toxic at best, abusive at worst. And I was a victim of some of that abuse, even in the context of all of the values and the norms of of that little sub-community. And I struggled through college, you know, would go long periods, beat my chest and hold it together and grit my teeth. Willpower, really. And by my own will, somehow be freed from problem of pornography. And I mean, Jesus even says, if I look with lust at a woman, then I should gouge my eye out. And I'm like, I'm eyeless already if I followed that teaching a long time ago. So what am I to do? Yeah, you've already committed adultery, right? I've committed adultery and I'm trying to figure out how to be in relationship with gals and struggling a lot because of the pathways that were built in my brain that God's spirit had not yet addressed or transformed and start, you know, dating the woman I'm going to marry and we move toward engagement. And I'm, I've got this value of transparency. And I mean, there's, I know I want to tell her before we're married about, you know, my pornography history and even to that day, somewhat of a struggle. And so I told her (laughs) because I knew I'm going to have to tell her someday and I don't want to wait till after we're married and it blows up because if it blows up now, you know, we can both move on, but I don't want to do it in that context. Well, you know, the truth is a lot of men grew up just like me, not in the specifics, but in the generals and a lot of gals probably too, in some respects, I think lesser in my ear, more and more these days. Young ladies are getting caught up in into the pornography culture and having experiences that are shameful and difficult to talk about. And so we don't, we keep them a secret. For me, I grew up in the absolute opposite of your culture. I really was not exposed to pornography for a long time. And even the first time I ever saw it was probably in junior high or early high school. And it wasn't something that lit a fire under me. Like I wasn't like, oh my goodness, what in the world? I need to find more of that. It was almost like a, what? (laughs) What was that? Pretty sheltered in my awareness of what was going on around me and those kinds of things. But I think the advent of the internet and putting images on computers and accessing those and then kind of being able to do it in secret even. I just remember confessing to my wife after, you know, we gotten probably our first computer. It's like, this is not good. And then dealing with the big emotions of that response of a betrayal. But I think what maybe both your and my story in, in terms of intersection is being able to, to offer that up and to say, hey, this is the authentic me. This is where I'm at. Even though that caused you a lot of pain for me to say that, I needed to put that out there so we could figure out a way how to move forward here. And uh, that secrecy, <laughs> it's so easy to be in secrecy around this issue. Yeah. I think for the dad to be able to model that out as best 
best we can. Otherwise, it, it kind of sets up that sense of that's bad. I don't struggle with that. What's wrong with you? Or it kind of even as a, a dad, I think creates a little bit of a, a sense of disowning the relationship of that problem with our child. Like, well, wow, that's your problem. Wow, I'm sorry you deal with, you know, <laughs> rather than hold on a second, we can come together here and, yeah. and I can empathize with that struggle. Yeah, I'm thinking right now about many stories over the years of teachers, preachers who were strong and fervent about this issue and we must stay pure and then their history gets known and gets discovered. There's something about this dynamic of shame because certainly those people didn't get there in one step. They took a thousand steps toward this infidelity and then yet in their minds were saying, you know, it's bad and don't do it and the Bible says and preaching a message that they believed but couldn't follow. And the truth of the matter is none of us can perfectly follow the teachings of Jesus, which is why Jesus had to die. And we are mired in the muck of sin and being set free from it is not about taking one gigantic step into perfection. It's about a process that the Apostle Paul says he looks forward to being brought to completion in the day of Christ. Mm. It's this whole concept of the now, not yet. So, you know, for the first half of our time together talking about this, we're just inviting parents to consider your journey. Where have you been? Where has grace intersected? And how can you today, wherever it is that you're at, invite the grace of God into your experience through the people in the body of Christ and start to have the conversations about your own struggle, your own journey, if it's needed to have so that you can experience grace for this, because that's an important component. We receive from God all the stuff God has for us to give so that we can give it away. If we haven't received it, we can't give it away. Join us after the break and we'll try to get a little more pragmatic about how do we talk to our kids about this. Do you imagine your kids would be best friends with a house full of laughter, fun, and cute memory-making moments? Here you are struggling with constant fighting, badgering, and teasing. You know your kids are capable of a close relationship, but even with all your effort, you feel like you're getting nowhere. And sometimes you wonder if you're making things even worse. Well, what if you could use the inevitable conflict between your kiddos and actually strengthen their relationship? We want you to know it is possible. Connected Families has a self-paced five-session online course that's called Sibling Conflict. Follow the link in our show notes to register and help move your kids from bickering to bonding. Well, we're back after the break, and we're going to address this question, Chad. How do we talk with our kids if we're worried, if we want to help them prepare, or if we've caught them using pornography? And we have 15 minutes to answer all three of those questions. (laughs) Uh, Well, there's probably the short answer, and that is short answer with lots more complexities. The short answer is coming back to the framework of, child, you're safe with me, that, that message towards our child when they're struggling, and that's getting my own anxiety and fear under control here? What am I believing about my child? What am I believing about myself right here? Am I catastrophizing their future? Hey, what's it like to be my child? You know, in most cases that I engage with parents around, 
It's really the curiosity. It's like kids stumbled across it or marketers invaded and got some clickbait out there. And now the child finds himself in a place that they didn't necessarily even plan to be. And so what's going on with my child? What's it like to be them? Especially the shame that oftentimes comes along with that. And then, you know, what can I affirm? What can I look at in terms of building a skill here? But affirmation and identify even empathy with where they might find themselves. And then the last one is the what should I do to help build wisdom? What could I do to help prevent this or set up some some security measures yeah. maybe? But it really, it's, it's back to the heart issue of how can I collaborate with my child to set up some areas where it would make it more difficult to get to those places again. So, you know, I think that framework is just so instructive on the conversations that mm-hmm. we have. And when I am talking to parents, I talked to one last week or just recently who called just basically for that specific issue. And that's a framework that I think allows us to be thoughtful and not reactive. Yeah. And I think it would be helpful even if you and I took a little time just to tell a couple of different stories of how parents navigated through the lens of the framework, you know, after they've called for some advice about that and some help. I coached a couple through, it wasn't classic pornography, but it was very personal pornography in the form of of sexting, text messages back and Mm -hmm. forth between their son and a gal. And, you know, as kids are sometimes inclined to do this, particular young man had gotten interrupted from reading an email that his girlfriend had sent him with a picture on it of her undressed and left the room and then got distracted onto the next thing. And the, the parents came in to shut down the computer for the night and just got curious enough to roll down and see the attachment. And oh my gosh. And before they engaged with their son, they engaged with me. And these are folks who are familiar with you know some of the things that we invite parents to consider. And they arranged a meeting and talked to me about this. And I walked him through. Well, so how do you feel? And what would you have done if you'd acted that night? I'd have been so enraged. I would have this, Mm -hmm. I would have that. And how would that have helped? And how would that have not? Well, it wouldn't have helped this way. And it would have helped in the short term, maybe. But, you know, long term, I don't know. I don't think it would have gotten us anywhere. And that's why we're here. Okay, well, are there ways that you can see to connect with your son in this? Some empathy. Are there ways that you can engage him in the problem solving that's needed around, you know, how to make things right? Or, you know, how do you want to talk through this with your son. Mm-hmm. What are some things you might say? Let's, and I don't remember all the details even, but you know, we role-played some different things and where they landed was we want to be straightforward with him. So we don't trap him into lying. Yep. Son, we saw pornography on your computer. And we know that's a hard thing for kids these days. They were prepared for him to say anything from, you know, it's normal. It's not a big deal. I don't care about your values. So instead of inviting that, they just kept talking and said, so what would you like us to know about what we found, son? Which is really an invitation to him to tell them where he's coming from in this. That's a really good question. And it is an invitation. It could get rejected or swatted away, but wow, that's a very different perspective. Right. But even in their approach about, you know, we, we kind of kept yeah. our feelings in check and left them yes. outside, came into here with, with the purpose of being graceful, leading toward accountability and, you know, it, figuratively or literally perhaps put their arm around him and said, Hey, here's what we know. Here's mm-hmm. what we know before there's any chance for the justification and you know, all the things that a child might do. He sensed their care, their grace. This isn't mom and dad trying to manipulate me into something. This is caring mom and dad coming to me because they found something that concerns them. Mm -hmm. And then the question, what would you like us to know about this? Pave the way for a very, you know, an open conversation about the nature of the relationship, Mm -hmm. all of it, the, the pressure of it. 
but you know, the love that's in it and the confusion of it all. And mm. then, then in that place, you know, the parents came from a place of compassion to the conversation because they had took on the posture of a listener and a learner. And, and then that conversation went on to have a very productive outcome. Yeah. Protecting our kids from our own baggage is really important because, mm -hmm. you know, there are very few things that will throw parents into fear and anxiety in the matter of a heartbeat. Lying is typically one of those things. Having some sense that your child might be involved in porn or viewing porn or stumbled across that is another one. That Saying the first thing that you might want to say is <laughs> typically not a great place to be. And, and wisely, I think for the, the parents, whether they would call us, call you, or just sit back and go, okay, hold on a second. Let's just get some perspective here on what this means. So mm -hmm. I had a, you know, this is not an uncommon, I wouldn't say it's a, you know, every week or anything, but probably, a, you know, just a regular basis, we'll have parents reach out. And oftentimes it's a discovery or a sense that something might be going on outside of the actual viewing of pornography. So that's a kind of a grace for parents <laughs> to not, you know, what are you doing? Kind of that, that big intensity. And so that step back. But one thing I appreciate about the parents I most recently worked with around this issue is that they left some space. Like we did similar things in terms of role-playing how this conversation might go. And one of the most typical responses for something like this is for a child to deny it. I don't know. I don't know where that came from. And I don't know. I don't know. Not me. I don't know. And it's hard to, I mean, you can keep going, well, we have it right here and you were there and we know and all the stuff and the history suggests that, you know, all those kinds of things, which gets you into a back and forth and power struggle. But one of the things that we talked about was saying what you know and inviting in discussion about that. But if there's a denial to allow the Holy Spirit to work in conviction and uh, to now the child knows that, that it's there, that mm -hmm. uh, you know something, uh, and to be prayerful about that, that the Holy Spirit, that the Lord would bring conviction. I tend to, when I try to convict other people of indiscretions or a sin or whatever it might be, I tend to get one response and that's anger when I become the Holy Spirit and allowing that space for the Holy Spirit to do work in this situation. And again, this is descriptive. It's not a prescription, but in this situation, they talked to this young man in the, the morning and that evening, he came to them and said, uh, and actually kind of was hiding himself. I couldn't look at them. And that's shame, right? That's just mm -hmm. that shame grid of I'm bad, but then said, you're right. I was in places that I didn't want to be. They shouldn't have been. I didn't even try to get there, but I saw some things and will you ever trust me again? And just a super kind of repentant yeah. heart. But I think the tendency for parents would be to say, well, we have it right here. We have the proof. We have the evidence. And now you're lying. And you said something with the family that you were referencing that not setting our kids up to lie. Here's what we understand. Here's what we think we know. Here's what the history says, right? And then you can put a pause right? On some of the screens, uh, you know, while you're trying to sort through this. But I think that allows the child to feel the weight of it as well, and then come and uh, be able to uh, express that. And that's a restorative piece. 
that I think is so important. We're so quick as parents to want to just put the boundaries that control the behavior without addressing the matters of, of a child's heart and the influence that we have through relationship to guide them. And what I've seen happen far more often than not is that when parents get firm about the boundaries without working through the context of the relationship, you know, those kids just, they might live with it for a while, but they bounce around it and eventually find their way to whatever sin they're pursuing. Mm-hmm. We as parents can't put boundaries up that prevent our kids from walking away from God's purposes for them. We can't even put the relationship in place that prevents it. But the best shot that we think that a parent has is, is to bring God's grace, God's truth, the gentle, quiet, corrective presence of the Holy Spirit into the mix, even at times like this. Mm-hmm. And give kids ownership, understanding of what's going to happen if this continues. If you keep doing this, then we will unplug your computer. But what will happen inside of you, son if or daughter, if, if you keep watching these things? Yeah, what does it even do in our relationship, right? Because you know, the parents in the situation I'm talking about, they knew something happened, right? Something happened. They could sense this different interaction going on. And so when they started to investigate a little bit, they started to get a pretty clear clear picture that this has gone on. We can feel the difference. And then afterwards, once he kind of confessed that to be able to just talk about the the yuck that builds up inside. Yeah. And now we have to hide and cover up. And it really is back to the Garden yeah. of Eden. Well, and that reminds me, you know, of my walk with each of our three kids through our discovery of their first exposure to pornography, which happened for each of them, you know, pretty early because of the computer and the mm-hmm. power of it and the prevalence of it. And what I came to recognize was that I think my most powerful tool in it was to identify with them in the struggle rather than to tell them what was going to be. You know, I talked about, you know, we didn't have computers when I was a, a child and I didn't tell them the whole story. They were too young to bear the whole, my whole story then. But I told them when I was a child, I got exposed to some things too. And then I had this icky feeling and I could feel it in my tummy. I could feel it in my tummy that something was off, but there was something about what I'd seen that made me want to see it some more. And so even though it was sort of done to me at first, I started to make choices, but that icky feeling in my stomach never went away. Do you ever have that, a feeling like that in in any of this? And do you know where God is when our tummy feels that way? And do you know that you can say things to God, even if it's hard to tell anybody else and that God will be with you and help you if you confess what you've done and admit your bad feelings about that to God? God is there to care for you in this. And I'll do my best to, to care for you too. But this is something you're going to, this is a hard world we live in. (laughs) I wonder what you think about this in the interaction having with the parents of the situation that I was describing. The mom said, well, I need to get my tears out now. So when we're talking to him, I'm not emotional. And I, I thought, yep, that's a really good idea to process, especially the big stuff, right? mix of anger and sadness and woundedness and and all of the things is really important before you get into that. But I also said, I don't think it's a bad thing for him to see some tears, right? That it impacts relationship. Mm -hmm. And if it's shaming or, oh no, now I have to protect mom, that might not be a a place that I really want to get to. I need to caretake her, but there is an impact that it has. And especially I think for moms, it's a different kind of impact 
But I don't know. What what are your thoughts about showing emotion or not? Yeah, no, I think it's a good question. I think the idea of identifying, naming, saying out loud my heavy feelings mm-hmm. on my own with me and Jesus, with me and my spouse, with me and a trusted friend yeah. is an important thing because our awareness of those things is so critical when we go to our kids with this. I wouldn't say one way or the other, well, yeah, you should cry or you shouldn't cry. I would say that if we do our work to let our issues with God be our issues with God, that we can come to our kids not needing to do our work with our kids. And if if we feel a sense of grief about some potential pain or problem or the protective heart, you know, that we have and show some emotion about that, I think as much as it's natural and it flows and it's received in the context of my care for you, this isn't about you need to care for me. This is about my care for you. And I have some pain in my desire, strong desire to care for you. I think if it comes out, it comes out. I, I wouldn't plan yes or no. I would be aware, you know, and, and Lynn and I talk about this a lot because we would each of us get emotional in different ways. And what's the benefit of that emotion? And what's the detriment of that emotion if we express it about our kids to our kids? And there's never a right answer to that. It's just, are we conscious? Are we submitting to God's spirit? Are we taking captive our thoughts to Christ's obedience? Are we working the work to not be anxious, to trust God in everything and let the peace of God that transcends understanding guard our hearts? Mm-hmm. You know, that's the core root idea behind behind the secret of contentment the apostle Paul writes about in, in Philippians 4. Yeah, I mean, that's that's maybe a complicated issue. And clearly we could take a whole bunch more time to talk about these things because there's so much here. But we have to wrap it up for today, Chad. Have you got some finishing thoughts that you'd like to bring to this? I'm hopeful that parents can can recognize again the, the description of joining in and working on our own stuff, recognizing that you know, our culture today is set up in such a way with all the screens. I mean, you're not going to live your life screen-free anymore as a child moving into adulthood. And so they are a part of what our kids will be experiencing for likely their entire lives. And so it's less about getting them to not do things as much as to join them in and help them consider what's going on in their heart, what draws them towards certain things, and then equipping them to be open about that, be authentic about that, and uh, walk in community about those kinds of things. Yeah, such important principles. We share these things with you again, folks. Hoping that an idea or two, a seed or two will be planted that will grow you closer to Jesus, closer to God's purposes for you, especially in the struggle that we've talked about today. If you've intervened in your child's discovery of or use of pornography, may God's grace and truth guide you. And may these ideas help. If you've got further questions, comments you'd like to make, please reach out to us and we'll engage as quickly as we can. And until next time, God bless you. I hope you enjoyed our podcast today. We would love to hear from you. Leave a comment and let us know what you found useful or a question that we could address in a future podcast. Don't forget to rate and review so others can find us more easily. For more information about Connected Families, go to connectedfamilies.org.